welcome to Making Comics, a podcast exploring the comics process from two different perspectives. I'm Scott Loss, the creator and artist of The Second Shift and Wanders Milsanda for the Accidental Aliens. And I'm Keith Foster. I write the comic Kadoja and review horror on my blog, KeithRFoster.com, with some reviews on iHorror.com as well. Oh man, this, this week has been so busy, I feel so underprepared for this episode. So, yeah, so it's going to be a great one. It's it's a rhyme off the dome. It's a rhyme off the dome episode. But first, we should mention, we're back, bitches. We are are actually drinking uh, again to to set off the podcast. So, uh, so yeah, the last two weeks, let's see, two weeks ago, we were both detoxing. Last week, because of some um, some craziness on my end, we didn't record until uh, 10 p.m., which is far, we didn't start till like 10 or 10.30, which is well beyond our usual record time. So we are back at our roughly normal time. I have a beer gifted by my glorious podcast uh, host, Scott, and I am drinking something called the Illa Vanilla from Full Circle Brewing uh, Company down in San Diego, probably, right? So... I'm ready. Oh man, are you are you are you full Kirkland endorsed today? Yes, fully Kirkland endorsed, and I am just so jealous that you're going to get to try that for the first time because it is it is fantastic. It's such a fantastic beer. Let me let me know what you think. There, he's taking a sip. People, it it is it is excellent. It is excellent. He is yes. taking a sip. This is excellent podcast audio. It's delicious, man. I think vanilla is a flavor made for milkshake IPAs. You know what I mean? Like you can you can make a lot of like lactose IPAs, milkshake IPAs, and a lot of people like fruit because it goes with the fruitiness of citra hops. But boy, vanilla is just right in the lane of adding that lactose, you know. So yeah, man, good stuff. Good stuff and, and plenty, plenty to go. Yeah. Plenty for the go. people out so there. So I get to go yeah, first. Yeah, absolutely. I get to go yeah, first. but for those people out there, so uh go ahead. if if I haven't mentioned on a previous podcast or Keith, if you see lactose or milkshake on an IPA, that's something you need to pick up. Yep, it's gonna it's gonna mean that it's an IPA that's smoother, um, and not you know again for for people that aren't uh, well people that ha- that haven't been up on maybe the latest trend in in beers and milkshake IPAs are like one maybe one and a half years old in terms of being mainstream. Um, yeah, it's it's just an entirely different thing than you're used to with an IPA. It's not that big, bitter, clear beer that everybody knows from mm-hmm. from the past. Um, IPAs have just come in all shapes and sizes, and yeah, man, you add some lactose and it smooths it out, and it's delicious, delicious. Yeah, you don't get that that overly hoppy beer with those with those uh, milkshakes and those lactose. So it's it's quite good. So yes, yes, good sir. It is your your turn to start, which gives me time to think of stuff in the back of my mind while I'm listening to you. And uh, so that'll be fun. <laughs> All right. I, I love that you're... I love that you're going inside baseball and basically saying like I'm not prepared for shit. One hundred percent correct. Do you do you want to? Hey, talk about why though. Is there is there a reason behind it? There probably is. Yeah. So I'm I'm doing a a road trip. So uh, as of June eighth, that was yesterday from our recording, uh, was my birthday. So I've been having a birthday week, and you know, congrats, we did... happy belated, man. I'm I'm pissed oh, that I missed you. it. I'm yeah yeah. Oh yeah, no worries, man. Um, so. Sunday, we did a Korean barbecue with some friends. Um, Monday, I was with my girlfriend. And uh, Tuesday, uh, we had, which was yesterday, my birthday, uh, my girlfriend went with a couple of my girlfriends to dinner. So we had all-you-can-eat sushi. And so that was super badass. 
And uh, yeah, so it's just been an all-you-can-eat buffet all week long. And then uh, we're doing this podcast, and then I'm leaving town. I'm going to Utah tomorrow on a road trip with my buddy Ramel and Ian. So uh, just a crazy busy week. So it's kind of been like prepping for that. So I have been doing things, which I'll talk about, but my mind has just been going a mile a minute and doing all these other things in a positive, yeah. excellent way. Okay, so instead of asking where you're going in Utah... I will ask it next week once you're back, right? So we'll we'll do that. We'll do that then and there. Um, another thing is that this is you know great moments in hip hop history. I just want to remind everybody that uh, the Fat Boys made a song called "All You Can Eat" way back in the day, and it's huh. it's a Fat Boys song. Three ninety nine for all you can eat. I'ma stuff my face to a funky beat. That's that's <laughs> Fat Boys Fat Boys poetry right there. All right. Anyway, so oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, and I also found out yesterday that I share a birthday with Kanye West. And that's super oh, weird. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Does that <laughs> mean, awesome, are you going to awesome run for weird. president? Yes, yeah. I am going to since he did. It only makes sense since we have the same uh, astrological sign and all that good stuff. You know what's crazy, though? Like, I don't I don't put myself much up on current events. I don't really care for them. Um, I mean, I'm, I care for important stuff, but, like, I couldn't tell you what's happened in the last five or six years with Kanye West. And it turns out that that's really important because all I know Kanye West as is someone who was the the forefront, really the best hip-hop beat maker from about, and an artist, I would even argue, from roughly, like, what, about 2005, maybe a little earlier, through about 2010 or 11, you know, when you start mm-hmm. with Kanye's debut album, and then you probably go, go all the way up to Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, and you also include Watch the Throne, which I thought was kind of crappy when it came out, but it turns out that that album holds up really well, the album he did with Jay-Z, I think that's what it's called. That's what I hear. Like I heard his later stuff gets better with more and more listens. Like people are like, "Man, that thing was mm-hmm. so so trash when I first listened to it." But man, is that shit good. The more I listen to it, and the more I understand it. And it and it like lets yeah. you know, like his artistry just it's moving to different levels and sometimes it takes people a little bit to catch up to him, which is interesting. And that and that falls in line with what we do here and what we talk yeah. about here. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really cool. That's really cool. So okay, so the first thing I did was, uh, you know, this is interesting because a a something that that Mike informed me is that he would really like to have a PDF of Kadoja Volume Three to send out to people for reviews, which of course makes total sense, um, and and. The good news about that PDF is, as I mentioned last week, issues two through four. And so it's it's uh, trade collecting four issues. Issues two through four are entirely done, completely, completely done. Finished TIFF files and everything. Issue one, however, was lettered by me. And I did not letter the same way as Eric Grissom. There's a, there's a difference, a little bit of a difference in font. There's a difference in how we approach balloons. Um, and so what I need to do is I need to re-letter that. And I've mentioned that before. I had had on my timeline to re-letter this roughly by the end of July. Well, now I need to have it done roughly by the end of this week. So by the time this episode <laughs> comes out, I, I will be done with the lettering and I will be prepping the PDF. So the good news about that is the PDF is going to be done way before I thought it would be. So, you know, in terms of checking off all these things to deliver the book to both Diamond, a.k.a. comic retailers, a.k.a. people who order through comic retailers and everybody who backed the Kickstarter, um, what I'm going to need to do is I'm going to need to kind of slot out 
Uh, I was going to work more on the soundtrack these couple weeks, but now I'm just going to kick the soundtrack out. I'll save that for later, and I will finish the PDF. So it's been a bit of a crash course in in certain aspects of lettering because not only, you know, so so lettering a book is not incredibly difficult once you get the hang of it. What is difficult is lettering part of a book and then or trying to match your lettering to someone else's because now you have something to go off. You know, if if you just start lettering a book from ground zero from scratch, you, you get to make all the rules. You get to pick the font size. You get to decide whether you want, for example, your font to be italicized or not italicized. Generally, italics for 100% of a comic book are pretty normal. You know, um, that's that's not unusual. But uh, it's those little things that I'm running into right now because not only um, did I italicize, so I even told the letterer what font to use, but he used the unitalicized version. Uh, sorry, oh. he, yeah, and I use the italicized version. So what I need to do is I need to go back and, and make mine the unitalicized. And then the more pressing thing is the type of balloons he draws. So a lot of the balloons I used were based on Rory Smith's lettering of the first 10 issues of Kadoja. And now I have to base it on Eric Grissom's balloons for the, the uh, couple issues that he's done since then. Did uh, he give you working files? Are you able to just snag his balloons? Because that's something I love doing. Um, if I see a balloon I like, yeah. I'll just go into the file, click it, copy it, paste it into my um, letterer's, letterer's sheet that I have, the cheat sheet that I got, and uh, I'll just use those bad boys straight up. He gave me everything. That's the good news. The bad news is it's in Adobe Illustrator, and I use oh. Adobe Photoshop to do all my lettering. So what I have is I have a cross-platform problem, I suppose, because Illustrator and, and Photoshop do not play very well together. So to get way inside the, the stuff of this, and I think this is, this is a good conversation to have because Scott has talked before about how he does his own lettering. I can do my own lettering. It's a bit clumsy, but I can get it done. And more importantly, if you're in the, in the indie comics game like we are, it's going to save you some money. And you're going to be able to save a few bucks and maybe take that, put it into your book, get a couple covers done, get some commissions done, whatever you want to do. So um, I definitely don't mind doing it. It's, so what I, what I have to do now, Scott, is I'm going to get really granular. I, I don't even have Illustrator. So I have a trial of Illustrator that ends in like four days. So over oh, the shit. next four days, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the files that I was given. I'm going to gut them with the exception of balloons. And then I'm going to kind of arrange all the balloons, drag them into one place. And then I'm going to, so I'm going to have them all in one place for every page, or at least with some degree of variety, maybe 10 total pages of lettering where it's dialogue heavy. And then I'm going to take a picture of that. And then I'm going to take that picture and I'm going to drop it back into Photoshop. And I'm going to basically build blank pages of word balloons so that when I go forward, I'm going to have to, you know, so I'm going to have, let's say, four or five total files. That is just a big page of nothing but empty word balloons of different shapes, sizes. Some of them two dialogues connected, some of them three dialogues connected, some three dialogues in a quarter circle. You know, whatever is going to work with, with arrows going different ways. And then what I'm going to do is um, I'm going to have those and I'm just going to have to kind of magnetic lasso those balloons and then drop the art into my pages so that I can put the lettering over it. I'm curious. I, I don't know if I've ever done it before, like copied something 
in Photoshop, like, hi, like copied the text, like highlighted it, copied it, go into Illustrator and then hit paste. I'm not sure if that works. If uh, Sometimes it does, like because I can do that for my email. I can go to my Yahoo or Google account. I can highlight Ed's text, copy it, and I can drop it straight into Illustrator. Something you might also want to consider, mm -hmm. since your files that you've done are in Photoshop, that means you can save as a JPEG. So you can save your lettered pages as a JPEG, drop that into Illustrator, and then you can, uh, if you have another file where you have dialogue, you can copy and paste it and put put it right over the text you've already done. So you get the placement. Ex so it saves mm -hmm. a lot of thinking work. Place it right on top of the text you've already yeah. done. Take your letterer's balloons and drop those into place. And then easy peasy. So my, something else to maybe consider, especially since you only got four days. So I think I'm doing a similar version of that, right? The issue is that... Um, I have the original art and the original files in Photoshop, but I don't have them in Illustrator. So it's it's one or the other. You know what I mean? Like the only thing I really need to do is take my own file in Photoshop, change the font slightly, and then put new word balloons behind it. But that mm. takes longer than you think because every one of those little word balloons is actually a tiny little individual JPEG with a transparent background if we're getting really nerdy about it, right? So oh, you're just okay. going to rearrange all of these balloons on a, on a page and then put them there. So it's a grind. But that said, you know, the, the, er, the first or second pages you're going to do tend to be more of a grind because that's when you don't have any word balloons created already. Right. So on your first page that you're ever doing this, you haven't done a single balloon in the new style. The second you cut and paste a few, though, you know, you do your little lasso it, drop it into the new page. And now you have a new lettered balloon that works. Um, once you go your second page, theoretically, you could cheat off the balloons you did on your first page. You know, you can a, a nice trick for people out there that want to do their own lettering is don't forget to do the cool mirror image thing. You know what I mean? Like, let's say you have a balloon where the little point, you know, I don't know what you call that, but the point in tail. a balloon that indicates the tail. Thank you. So if you have the tail pointing bottom right, like the diagonal bottom right corner, all you have to do is mirror flip that. And now you have it in the bottom left. So every single balloon you ever have is actually two balloons in one because you can always flip the image in case the tail is pointing in the opposite direction. I hope that makes sense. It's it's tough to say. It, it's it's easier to look at than it is to talk about. No, I think you described that pretty well. I would love one day to show you how to letter an illustrator and show you how easy it is. And there's tons of tricks you can do that will save you tons and tons of time. And most uh, letters in the business do use Illustrator. So if that's something you're looking into doing in the future, I can totally show you um, uh, the tricks of the trade and I can give you my, my cheat sheet as well. So there's tons yes. of balloons, tons of tails. And um, there's a way, so what I've discovered is it's, it's best to not attach the tail until you're on your last draft because what happens is uh, especially in illustrator if your tail is connected and you ch change the text and i've had this issue in the past with ed and and i basically realized oh this is my fuck up like i would kind of get frustrated because ed would want to change the text a lot and what would happen it was like well the balloon needs to be bigger now or it needs to be smaller but you can't just grab the balloon and shrink it or make it bigger without the the width of the tail expanding along with the balloon that's problematic the width of your tail needs to stay the same 
parameters throughout your whole book. So my fuck up was attaching the tails. It's like, no, no, just place it there. And then once the text is finalized, then attach the tail and it's all good. It saves me a headache and uh, a frustration. So I got you. That's interesting. Is that is that a firm hard rule? Because I've always felt that that was more of a um, optional rule there for the tails to be all the same. You know what I mean? Like like Rory used to use tails that are different uh, lengths, uh-huh. heights, sizes, etc. I think it's all personal preference. So and that's and that it all it all comes down to that. Um, you know, when you're doing your books. For me, I like it to be uniform. If, um, I don't know, for me, it stands out when it's not, you know, and, and this is like a writing trick, right? Like, it, does your does your reader stop and ask a question because they meant you to do it? Or it was because it was kind of a fuck up? You know what I mean? It's just like, mm-hmm. oh, they stopped to ask yeah. a question. So when I see a tail or a balloon that's different than the others, it's like, oh, that's different for a reason. Are they shouting? Um you know, like, are they whispering what's going on in that panel? So if I do see something different, then it's that. If the balloons themselves look hand-drawn, which uh, some artists do, then it's less of an issue because those are always going to be inconsistent. So the mm-hmm. inconsistency is the consistency in that case. Yeah, I got it. Which goes back, to, in a way, to kind of rule setting, right? I, I think I think in yeah. general, whatever rules, because I was just listening to the rules thing uh, earlier this week, you know, what, whatever the rules are, just make sure you're consistent with your own. That's the important yeah. thing. You know, mm-hmm. um, okay. So yeah, then that was cool. That ended up being kind of like a, a, almost a workshop in progress there. So hopefully that was decent audio, but uh, that's it for me, man. What was your first thing? Yeah. It's just staying on the lettering tangent. Um... Let me let me retake that. All that shit was bad. Like I was kind of hardly. I was like marble mouth. All the shit is bad, <laughs> and the skies are gray. Go ahead. And the skies are gray. <laughs> I've been fucking up <laughs> on a hot summer day. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> After credits, I wish right that there. I was warm. <laughs> I know I'm way out of key. I don't even care. Oh no, it's perfect. See, our Um, listeners are like, they're back drinking again. They're morons. Yeah, that's what we did. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so to stay on the lettering lettering thing here, I was going over the PDF for Second Shift 11, just double-checking everything before I sent it off to the printer. So that actually did happen. Everything looked good. Uh, Tristan, you know, had made the corrections to the, the previous PDF. So everything was solid. I already got a video back from from my printer so he sends little videos and he flips through the book so you can like slow it down and like to see if there's any errors so it's pretty nice and uh so we went through the book and uh it was all good he got the approval and uh so he's doing the print run and something that's super cool with this printer he offers a bag and board service he goes do you want me to bag and board and then he tells you how much it is and it's quite reasonable and i'm like right on man yep let's do that So when these are being sent out to Kickstarter backers, they're already bagged and bored. It takes out a process that I would have to do, and he does it for you. And it it gets sent over Mm. more protected. Everything's in bags and boards. So you don't have to worry about so much boxing in the corners when you get your books. Was that your first thing? Yeah. Yeah, that was my first thing. Uh, Speaking of that printer, and I'm going to follow up with him. So this is something we might have talked about on the air or off the air. Uh, I'm to follow up with him about that thing that he does, which uh, which the new thing he does, 
which is uh, trade paperbacks. So I need to follow up with him, mm. see how much the per unit cost is. So I can potentially do a, uh, a Kickstarter for the second trade. And if it reaches a certain amount, that'll and that'll be stated right away. This is our minimum goal. This is what we need to hit this trade. But if we hit this number, everyone can upgrade to a full hardcover. So that way, the people that are like, no, I'm good. Mm -hmm. I have the first trade. I can still get them. It's not a problem. But we can potentially get those hardcovers. So I'm actually pretty psyched about that. So that's a little combo package from my first one there. Yeah, I mean, as long as people have the option, because some people like, you know, I have some trades over there on my shelf where I have all the individual ones. You know, I mean, for those people out there that have volume one or the first five issues, they probably want a similar trade for the, the second five issues or whatever it is so that they can match those up nicely. And other people might be like, well, instead of buying the first trade with the second trade, I can just get everything right here in a hardcover. And that's how I like to roll. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, it, there's nothing wrong with more options. That's for sure. Yeah. And if you're a spaz like me and you go, wait, there's a hardcover option, then you ditch the soft covers and you go for the hardcover. And that's that's kind of my thing. It's like I love a nice yeah. hardcover, like the books protected. I feel less precious, too, with the hardcover. Like there's something about perfect bound trade paperbacks that make me nervous it's like i never open them fully because mm. i'm worrying about creasing the cover and and like if you if you guys look on your trade paperbacks there's a, a light line right near the binding and that's where the cover is supposed to bend you're supposed to bend it to that line and then that's how you're supposed to read the book I, the collector in me refuses to bend any of them so i find myself mm. reading it it's like slightly closed i read trades cl slightly closed because yeah. i do not want to crease the covers because i'm a fucking spaz so trade paperbacks there's this comfort knowing that it's meant to be fully opened and I, it allows me to enjoy them and i just feel like they're more protected that's interesting because i am the almost exact opposite on that i actually don't <laughs> like hard i don't like hard covers because it feels like i'm handling some book from the library of congress you know, like that's why I don't like that where trade paperbacks. Now, I'm much more comfortable when it comes to my comics. I get very delicate in terms of handling those. You know, they're all bagged and boarded. I don't even like like if my hands feel a little like sweaty at the moment, you know, like, I, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying I, I wear gloves to handle my comics or anything, but I definitely handle them with care. Um, when it comes to trade paperbacks, man, I'll throw that shit against a wall just to prove a point. You're like, I'll, I'll crack it open. Like I, sometimes pages fall out because I've cracked it open all the way. And like, they fell out of the glue binding on the base, you okay. know, like, yeah, trade paperbacks to me are just meant to be used and abused, you know? So, uh, and, and maybe that'll come back to bite me one day, but in general, you know, I, and I'm props to people that can handle all their stuff. I mean, I just have my moments where there are things that I handle with care and there, there's a couple things where I just sort of throw it all around, you know, paperbacks, trade paperbacks, those things are meant to be thrown in your backpack and read and taken everywhere with you to me. Right. That's how I look at it. I wonder if that comes from your reading of prose. Like you, you've read books for so long that you, you have to open those wide to, to read the text on the inside that's closer to the spine. I wonder if it comes from that. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense. That would make sense. And, and I think that that may also, uh, maybe there is a prose background there. Because, you know, if I look on my shelf, I see plenty of hardcovers. 
And the thing about hardcovers in books is, with prose, generally the first edition is almost always going to be a hardcover. And then the, and if, the, mm. if the book is successful, it will move to trade paperback. Or, or sorry, paperback. And then when you get a paperback, man, you take that to the beach, you take it to the party, you take it to jail, you take it to the garbage dump, you take that thing to wherever <laughs> you want, right? Like paperbacks are just yeah. meant to be thrown around, you know? So maybe that is it. Maybe in a way my sensibility with books where like hardcovers, oh man, those are meant to be kept in their fancy jackets. I don't even like touching them. And if I open them, I'm handling them like I'm handling like the Dead Sea Scrolls, basically, you know. So. So, yeah, I, I think a lot of that I, I, you're right. I think a lot of that does inform how I handle my comics, the way I handle my books. Cool, man. All right. Well, that was my second thing. What's going on with you? All right. So my, my second thing is is substantial. It's it's kind of a follow up to uh, what I mentioned last last night, which or last week, which is um, so the lettering has taken up a lot of time. In, uh, in terms of work, right? Because I've been grinding and, you know, there are times, I, I think last night I just spent like an hour and a half doing nothing but making blank pages of word balloons so that it would be easy for me to drag and drop when it came time to letter. I was kind of going with a hunch there that I'd get some kind of like efficiency out of just having a whole lot of word balloons to choose from and then, you know, pluck from whatever I want and that would allow me to letter a page faster. Mm-hmm. But in terms of my my brain bandwidth so much of my mind has been fixed on my novel and uh, and I purposely saved the prose part of this for a second but uh, you know last episode ended with me talking about how I got some some sharp feedback and I got some feedback that um, you know I, I didn't think was particularly delicate in the way it was presented it was a bit it was a bit no Vaseline you know that I, I can't I can't control how people are going to deliver feedback to me. But that said, it really kind of triggered a a thing for me. And and the important thing about feedback, I don't think we talked much about this in detail because it was so fresh last week when we recorded. But the important thing, the, the feedback that I took the most was the feedback that other people have said over the years as I've written this thing in one way or another. And, and a lot of questions came around my lead character. And what it made me do is it really made me have like a reckoning. And realize that my main character needs work. And, um, you know, it's funny because when I was listening back to the episode two weeks ago, uh, earlier in the week, because I think we everybody knows that we kind of record on about a 10-day lag, um, I had talked about how I was building the house and I had the foundation and I was hanging the paintings and I'm ready to paint and move in the furniture. Well, guess what? The foundation's just a little fucked. So <laughs> I am going to crack. need to... T- yeah, I'm going to need to tear some things down and I'm ne- going to need to get to that. So the the thing there is where I think I, and I think this stuff, this sort of stuff is important um, is that I don't know if I've ever done like the deep, 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 deep character work required for my lead. I've done it for a lot of other people for like the secondary tertiary characters, but I may have neglected my lead character because I've always been more interested in writing pages that I think are going to be in the novel instead of pages that aren't. And the kind of pages that aren't are going to be backstory about the character that informs you of what your lead character looks like or or acts or feels or thinks or any of those things, but it may not ever make its way in a novel. So, um, so what I decided, and then there was another thing where, you know, I want to talk about, it's funny because um, another rule that's like almost a golden rule that we really talk about here is the phrase, write what you know. 
anybody who's written for more than five seconds has probably heard that phrase. And um, again, I'm going to go all the way inside baseball here because I think it's helpful. Maybe I hope it's helpful to someone. If it's helpful to one person, then I feel good about this. Write what you know can be a bit of a of a, a, a misleading thing, right? Because he, so I had this lead character. I tried to make the character, you know, add elements of of things I know to the character. So because I'm not going to say what kind of book it is, it, it's a horror book. You know, the thing that the person does is not something I do. And the plot of the book is not something that I do. So I don't know either of those things. So what I did was I infused the character with some character traits that I do happen to know. So I'm divorced. So I put in some stuff about divorce because I made my lead character divorced. And I thought that would be an interesting thing to write about because, you know, it, it's it's a thing that makes people, you know, it, it gives you some depth to the character. And, um, and there's another thing or two that I kind of just grafted from my own life to kind of give my character um, some some write what you know aspects to it. Well, the problem is I'm not sure that really suited the story. And in doing that, I may have done something that wasn't in the best interest of the character now that I think about it. So write what you know in a lot of ways misled me. What I really should have done is think of what, you know, what the character was going to be and maybe make him as separate from me as possible as opposed to similar to me. Because when you start to put your own stuff into the character, the character starts to act like you. And in some cases, that might be what you want. But in this specific case, it's not what I wanted. Mm-hmm. So what what I decided to do is divorce the character from myself, uh, not not to use the divorce phrase as well. So I changed up some <laughs> things about the character. Yeah. I, I I used I I basically made the character um, quite different, and and that was the big realization that what I did was I think the character needs more work, and I think the character needs to be different, and I think I need to pull the aspects that I thought were interesting that were the write what you know elements and pull them out, and then just make this person be a walking, breathing person that's that's a lot more different from me, so that I don't do any kind of stream crossing. Um, and I think it's going to it's gonna really uh, bear fruit. So I like the fact that I've had that realization. Um, for the first time in about three and a half years, even since I started this novel, I am not writing two pages a day or editing an hour a day. What I'm doing is I'm just doing character research for my character. I am currently, as like today and yesterday, I did a whole lot of things that would tie to like, I made fake output for this character's career. That's what I did. Right. And and so it's going to help me get a feel for the character. Then I'm going to tackle after this. I'm going to tackle my character's love life. Then I'm going to tackle my character's social life. Then I'm going to tackle, you know, some other things about my character, maybe family backstory, you know, the backstory that ties to this book. And then by the time I get through that, you know, maybe three, maybe four weeks. I don't know. I'm not really timing myself. um, I will have a robust character that's going to be different and that's going to act different. That's where it starts to get interesting because that's when I'm then going to dive back into the novel. And um, I've given I've given this example before. I remember we talked about it. We talked about, unfortunately, my knowledge of video games is limited to the last game I played before I got out in general, which is good old Grand Theft Auto 3, where you mm-hmm. could either hit the beats of the game and advance the game, or you could just walk around and drink Diet Cokes or punch prostitutes, whatever you want to do, right? Like, that's the interesting thing about these robust video games these days. Until you hit that first checkpoint along the plot, 
you know, nothing happens, right? So what I'm happy about is that as I really thought about my novel, the checkpoints are all good. What I've done is I've constructed a very good video game world, but now it's time for me to play the video game with an entirely different character. So those, you know, if, if you look in an outline of my book today versus an outline of that final book, you know, a year from now, whatever it's going to be, because I, I obviously relax the date for when I want to be done with this. Um, I don't think those outlines are going to be any different. So in a lot of ways, the book's not going to be different. But in a lot of ways, the book's going to be entirely different because every single scene is going to be different because this character is going to be different. He's going to think different. He's going to act different. And therefore, everybody else is going to act different as well. So, you know, this is this is an important thing about feedback, right? I mean, I'm I'm going to I'm going to be real here, man. It was a it was a reckoning in terms of getting feedback like that, you know, and not necessarily because I mean, it was good feedback, but it was presented so bluntly um, that it was it, it was delivered like a punch to the gut. And that's the thing about a lot of industry professionals, you know, like some industry professionals are are going to try to, you know, inspire and motivate and, and make you want to keep going. And some just don't give a shit. Some are here to give you their opinion and they've been paid for years for their opinion and they have they're they're kind of feeling a heat check in terms of their opinion. So they're just going to give it to you however they want to give it to you. It's not mm-hmm. their job, you know. I mean, it's it's kind of like doctors though. You know what I mean? Like you want your doctor to have a good bedside manner, just like you'd like your critique to have a good bedside manner. Right. Um so this critique did not have a good bedside manner, but you know, I'm a grown adult and I can handle it and I can sift through it. I was, you know, you're you're obviously in that spot like last week when we recorded this where you're you know, you're you're kind of confused because when different experts give you completely contradictory opinions, it it really spins you out sometimes, you know, because you're like, well, the other people love this and you hate it. So where the hell am I? You know? Right. So anyway, um the good news is you're going to get through it as long as you stick to it and as long as you believe in yourself and as long as you remember that you are the complete god and absolute deity deity of your novel and you can do whatever the fuck you want. And so, yeah. um, so anyway, that's where I am right now and that's how I'm going to go forward. So that was my second thing and it consumed a lot of thought process, but here I am and it's time to keep on moving. Yeah. That's, that sounds great, man. It's just, it sounds like you're doing a deep dive beyond the guy's bluntness of uh, the thing you took away from it. Sounds like it was, uh, a good thing you know it's going to bear some yes. fruit you're doing Absolutely. this deep dive on the character and that's fantastic and and um yeah the whole the whole write what you know thing in a way you're you're kind of doing it because you're doing the exact opposite like like well i would react this way like this character has this going on sometimes that that's how you need to think of stuff um i know sometimes situations in the book uh ed will propose certain things and for me it makes me uncomfortable because I had always, because my characters in the second shift, especially there are four different parts of my personality. So, and I know that I don't, I don't like certain things. Like I don't like certain conflicts. I don't like certain scenarios. So I don't put the characters in those scenarios because they are me. I don't like it. So I don't want it. So that's problematic. Because yeah. those those situations in life do happen, you know? It's just like, well, someone, you know, they start going out with someone else. Like, you wanted them to go out with this person, but now they're going out with, you know, whoever else. And that guy's a dick. And, uh, you know, so 
you sometimes you need to divorce yourself from your characters a little bit and put them in scenarios that you would never be in you know have them react a completely different way it's like well i would never do that well they are you and they aren't you at the same time you know and Mm -hmm. and and life happens and shit happens so you need to put your characters through some shit to make it interesting exactly and then uh, i mean that's that's a great point and then i want to mention too that last night um, as we record this i just had my workshop with my group and uh, boy, it was it was a crazy week for that because on Wednesday last week, I got the feedback about, you know, the, that we've been talking about the whole time. On Friday, I had to submit my pages to my group. And so I am like rewriting pages on the fly with this new thing I want to try. You know, like you're, you're sort of questioning your own ability a little bit and you're kind of like, man, you know, okay, I'm going to put this out. It, it feels, the, the way I keep talking about it is it feels very offhanded. It feels very left-handed, right? I'm right-handed. So the phrase would be, it feels very left-handed to me the way I was writing. Um, the good news is I had the workshop last night and as expected, you know, the, the reception to the pages was was the normal reception. You know, it felt weird to me, but that didn't mean it was worse. And uh, and people responded to it. And so it was it was all of me, but with these new changes that I'm just trying to kind of implement on the fly. But more importantly, one of the people in the workshop came up with this killer idea that just immediately set the character in my head as the new person. And oh. um, so, so now, like, as of, like, the second she said it, I was like, God, why did I not think of this? You know, and immediately that's how I can kind of, like, latch onto this character and make him entirely different and make him his own person, yet also um, incorporate those little things about me. Because, you know, we're always writing what we know. Every character, many characters, maybe not every character, but many characters are always going to be just a little bit of us in one way or another. You know, so mm-hmm. anyway, anyway, really interesting stuff, man. But uh, it's all part of the process, right? You, you, we create and we grow and we take hits and we roll with the punches and we get right off the canvas and then we just keep punching, right? That's how this works. Yeah. And, and that's what's great about having a fresh set of eyes on your project. So for you creators out there that, you guys want to do it all on your own, you want to be the only person you like, it's a, a point of pride to be the only one working on your project. It helps so much workshopping your stuff with people. Like when I, when I did my first book of the second shift, me and Ed called it second shift zero. It was just all me. I wrote it. I drew it. It sucked balls, you know? And, and like way after the fact, I was just like, like when I finished, when I finally finished the book, that's when it dawned on me. It's just like, dude, like this is fucking stupid. Like you need someone else to handle this part. You know, because it like worst case scenario, you you see what they have to do, and then maybe you can tweak it a little bit, and that's like how mine and Ed's relationship works. You know, it's just like for the most part, I don't have to do anything. He's he's got it down. So you know, but once in a while, I'm like, hey, let me tweak this a little bit. You know, and mm-hmm. you know, he knows way more about writing than I do, so of course it's going to be better. And yep. uh, yeah, so yep. it's it's Absolutely. it's very important to get those uh, extra eyes on your project. Yep, absolutely. So that said, yeah. man, uh, did you have a second thing you wanted to talk about? Yeah. So uh, second shift number ten is now complete. It is finished. Um, I yeah. missed my deadline. Yeah, I missed my self-imposed deadline by two days. So I wanted to have it be to be completed by the end of May. Uh oh, ball handling. 
Joel Embiid. <laughs> my 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 uh, super seven figure of Joel Embiid is losing his mind at how awesome it is that you completed uh, uh, second shift number ten on time. He's just losing his mind. He's losing his mind. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So uh, a couple of days, and but you know what? I'm I'm more than happy with that. Um, you know, working everyday artists, they hit that same thing happens to them. So I'm more than okay uh, hitting it two days later. And something else I had done was after I finished that last panel that I needed to do, I went through the pages and I saw some stuff that I wanted to change and like tweak and add some stuff to. And so I pulled them, I pulled those finished pages off of my Google Drive that I share with my colorist, Joaquin. And I said, hey, just so you know, I took this page off. I uploaded the new one. I added some stuff to it. So just so you know, I don't know if you download everything all at once, but if you did, delete that one. I've uploaded the new one. He goes, perfect, thanks. I'll delete it, download the new one. So um, it was nice just combing through it, having that extra time. And um, I do have a couple of commissions pending, but it wasn't to the point where I couldn't take those couple of days to just go through the whole issue and just look for any potential problems. Uh, mm-hmm. something, something super cool that happened. My girlfriend, uh, so like while we were talking, I sent her what I was working on. And um, she was just like, hey, so is that the same doorway as that panel? I said, yeah. She goes, so I noticed there's a sconce missing. And I was like, oh shit, you noticed that. And I was like, honestly, I didn't want to draw it again. <laughs> so I was like, okay. <laughs> So, and it was perfect because when you, when you're, when you're on these deadlines, you're just going hot and heavy. You're trying to bang these pages out and get them done as fast as possible. So when you're working on deadlines, that's something you have to deal with. It's everything is not going to be exactly the same, uh, panel to panel, page to page. You want to get it as right as possible, but sometimes it just doesn't happen. So she noticed it and, um, I was finished with the issue. So I went back and I added the sconce. And nice. so, nice. yeah, so there's stuff like that that's uh, really beneficial, like to get those extra eyes, like I said. And uh, yeah, I thought good. I could get away with it. She didn't let me. And that's A-OK with me. It took me two seconds to draw. Wasn't long. Threw it on there. And uh, yeah, ready to roll. Hey, man, that look, having a second set of eyes is always helpful. Having a second set of eyes that's like your significant other, super helpful. You know what I mean? Like my wife, my wife keeps me in check for so much shit. You know, and 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 the great thing is when you you know, look, it can be friends. It can be anything. Right. As long as you have that person that you can trust where, you know, like it's about balance. You know, like if if here's what I know, I know that sometimes I'll do stuff and my wife will just be like, I don't get that. I don't get this. I don't get that, whatever. But then other times I'll do stuff and and I'll get like, "Uh huh. You know, it's like, oh, shit, you like that. Or or my favorite line. I can't I don't know if I've mentioned that on this podcast, but whenever I get is this you, that's always like the utmost compliment because it's basically so good. She can't believe her husband did it, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I'm like, OK, OK. You know, it happens the most with music where I'll play something. She'll be like, who's this? I'm like, it's it's me. It's it's my it's my my me and my musicians. So, oh, wow. <laughs> you know, so that's always like the <laughs> highest compliment when I get the, is this you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I, I hear that. It's all good. But yeah, yeah man, awesome. whoever, whoever your trusted source is, you know, again, to your point, Scott, even if you're working alone in a silo, right? Like that's fine. You can do the whole thing alone in the silo, but just make sure you're getting some objective eyes on that and, and some people mm-hmm. that are gonna, you know, shoot straight with you instead of just say it's the greatest thing they've ever seen, you know? Yep, so absolutely. I agreed. Um, 
All right, cool. Did you have anything else? That was really the only, I mean, I had something else to talk about, but it's not necessarily comics. Okay. Um, let me try to think real quick. Um, work. So I do have a couple more commissions coming up. I was contacted by one of my clients and so they're looking for it. So that's going to be what I'm working on uh, going forward for a little bit. It is a in-depth project. The last one I did for him was pointillism. It's not that, thank goodness, but it, there is quite a bit to do. So um, yeah, that's going to take a week or two. What is the commission of? It is a gaggle of mermaids. A gaggle? Was that the word you just used? Yes, I did. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just need to bust out the old American Heritage College Dictionary here to understand <laughs> a gaggle. You know what would be cool is if you said a Google of mermaids. Like you, you wanted, what was that? What is actually, I mean, we all know we all know Google as the search engine, but a Google, what is it? A number followed by, by like 12 zeros or something like that? Is that um, what Google means? A gaggle is a flock. A, a flock or a murder. I'm right here. Yeah, you got it. You got it. A gaggle is a flock of geese. That's the first definition. And the second is a cluster or group. So yeah, you, you crushed it. So a, a group, a group of mermaids is what you're saying. Yes, sir. How many are in the group? I'm just curious. Oh, man, I think it's like seven. So okay. Okay. yeah, so this is going to be a hefty commission. Um, it'll be nice. It'll pay some bills. And, uh, you know, some towards the kids' college fund, and uh, some some towards some some comics that I'll be wanting. So <laughs> hey, man, work is work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it, it's worth noting on the air here that I'm starting to build up some things for you. I was in a comic shop. What was that? Uh, a couple weekends ago, and I found some Invincibles for you. So those are sitting over here. Hell yeah. And then and then I was in a beer store, and I took a photo, and I was like, Hey, man, I'm sure you know about this beer. It's called Mamba Mentality, and it's like about Kobe Bryant. And then, uh, and then I, I didn't hear from you and I left the store and then like the next day you're like, oh my God, I want that beer. And I'm like, well, shit, <laughs> you know, like I was there the other day. So I actually, I actually found something for myself. So I, I said, no, because I was like, I'll go back. And you're like, no, 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 don't worry about it. I'm like, no, 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 no. I want to go to the beer store here. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, man, I'm, I'm starting, I'm starting to get a stack for you here. So, uh, we're going to have to figure out how to make that swap happen. Yeah. Um, and maybe, so and I, maybe I, grab I, some comics too. I, I need to actually get up some comics for me to want again. You know, it's weird because I'm um, a lot of my want list is kind of sated. You know, I've found a lot of things that I want. It's just a matter of finding some new things and seeing what else I want to uh, grab out there. Yeah, mine is there's so much going on there. I think I need six issues of Invincible and then I'm finished. Thank goodness. And uh, yeah, there's always tons of stuff that I'm looking for. You know, it's something that I just started collecting. I was at the store today and I was picking up my books and I was like, oh, I've been meaning to check out a couple of titles in, in the SoCal dollar bin that I have never looked for before. One of them was Chrononauts uh, by Mark Miller. There was a second series that he did. The first one was with Sean Gordon Murphy, um, which they do have issues of that. So if you're looking for Chrononauts, they have them there. Um, but they also had the second series, which was by Eric Canetti, who I freaking love. He's a Wild Store alum. And I needed issues two through four. I bought number one. They had two through four in the dollar bin. I picked them up. Yeah. Yeah, I was psyched. So I was like, you know what? What else is in here? And uh, honestly, I couldn't get to 12, but I did get to six. I found a couple of uh, John Carter, Warlord of Mars. And okay. for whatever reason, that's a series that I just started picking up here and there. Um, the last time we went, I had picked up, I think, issue three. Today, I got mm. issue four and 22. Um, I had gotten one in this like bundle pack that SoCal, they were giving them out like for a free comic book day. Um, they were like, hey, if someone buys something from you, um, give them a pack of comics. 
And I was like, oh, fucking hey. Hey, I'm like, hey, I want a pack of comics. So yeah. I bought something from somebody else and I got myself a pack of comics. And uh, nice. I got John John Carter, Warlord of Mars in there. And The Eternals, number two by Jack Kirby. And that's oh, like a hundred, that's a hundred dollar book now. And they were just giving them away for free. It was crazy. Crazy, crazy. Yeah, yeah that's the way comics work so often. Yeah. Um, so I do have one more comic related thing. Um, yeah, go for it. So I've really been thinking about Atomo and Neil Adams. And I've been thinking about them for a particular reason. Both of those artists are known to redraw things that they had drawn before. So usually they'll they'll put the issue out. Um, and then over time, if it's collected, they have a tendency to redraw panels. Now, this has uh, one of two effects. One, you get better art, more than likely. Two you upset some people who loved the previous work and noticed you changed it. So, so that, that there's, there's two things that happen there. One, the artist is probably more pleased because they're the ones that change it. They changed it for a reason because they didn't like it. They thought they were improving it. So that's something I've been thinking about uh, heavily with, with my books. So going forward with this trade paperback or, or the hardcover, I should say, I really do want to take a fine-tooth comb through all of my previous issues and find the panels that I'm just not happy with. And and I've decided that is 100% what I'm doing. Nothing is going into the hardcover that I disprove of. You know, and, and it's not to say that I'm redrawing everything cuz there's plenty of stuff in the first issue uh that I really love and still holds up to this day. But there's also plenty of stuff that I want to set on fire. So <laughs> um, that's just something that's been taking up a lot of my mind space lately. Is just uh, uh, okay. thinking about that, how it would work, and also potentially adding adding pages to the stories. So uh, before I had talked about doing chapter breaks, which I still want to do, but I've also been thinking about the idea of Maybe I can draw a whole new page in between the issues that bridge the gap. Like, would that be interesting? Or is it better to leave it as it is? And that I'm not too sure of. What do you think? I I was going to offer an opinion even if you didn't ask. So I do appreciate <laughs> you asking. I'm really I'm really excited that you asked me. From a from a fan perspective, I am actually against any and all modifications to your original stuff. Any and all, right? And um, and I think, I mean, the the you can always rewrite something. You can always rewrite something. You know, it's kind of like, you know, for people that are maybe better cooks than me, they they get they get comfortable with it. But for me, a meal never tastes as good when I make it because I always think there's something wrong. You always think that the goddamn butter ratio is off or that you made it with too much salt or too little salt or the noodles are overcooked or the noodles are undercooked or whatever it's going to be. And I, I mention that because I think that's a very apt comparison, you know, so I'm going to give, you know, people should start. Here's what I like. I like that our podcast is morphing to where people are going to have to find new things to drink about. Here's the new <laughs> thing we're going to people are going to have to drink on when Keith brings up a heavy metal reference because I'm about to do it. Okay. There's a thrash band. They're called Testament. I know. I imagine you know who they are, right? Because you you know your way around thrash. Testament has been around for a very long time. 
their first two albums are very well known. It's The Legacy, and I think the second one's called uh, The New Order. Yeah, The New Order. I get that confused with New Order and New World Order. And those albums were made in the 80s. And in the 80s, there was a certain sensibility to thrash where, like, people were singing higher, you know, and, and the riffs were all generally kind of in, in the, the key of E and things like that. Well, over time, heavy metal got lower in both the singing and in the tuning of the guitars. So Testament did a record. Uh, I don't know, maybe in the 90s, maybe in the early 2000s, where they decided that they were going to re-record songs off their first two albums, and they were going to call it First Strike Still Deadly, because there's a record, there's a song on the first record, The Legacy, called First Strike Is Deadly. I think I might even own that CD somewhere, but like, I sort of fucking hate it, you know, because <laughs> you, 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 you got it. And, and what they decided is they wanted to, like, tune the guitars lower. And instead of him kind of doing, like, higher heavy metal screams, as was custom in the 80s, it made, like, a lot more, like, demon growls and roars and cookie monster vocals and things like that. And it's kind of like, it's enjoyable to listen to maybe once. But then the second time, you're like, why would you even bother with this? You know what I mean? Like, shouldn't you have just put your energy into making new music instead of like re-recording songs that everyone acknowledges that are classics in the key that they are? I get that you don't like it and I get that you think it sounds dated, but guess what? You made the record in 1988. You know, like, of course it's dated. I, I mention that because in general, Scott, I say you let it all ride, man. Now, if, if there's a panel where you feel like it's fundamentally flawed, mm-hmm. you know, go ahead and change it. But to your point, I think that kind of stuff's almost noticeable and maybe maybe it's because I'm a fellow creator as well as a fan but to me whenever I see something like that I'm like oh wow the artist hated that shit huh they really wanted to redo it whenever an mm-hmm. artist gets another crack at something and they change it my my sensors go off and I'm just like oh okay you hated that the first time around didn't you you know mm-hmm. like that kind of thing so you know, I, I, it is a dealer's choice kind of thing. If that's what you want to do, look, if it's good for Art Adams, how bad can it be? But I will say that that for me, um, in general, I'm comfortable with letting the original ride. You know, like it goes back to something I've said before on this podcast and I'll say again. It was the best you could do at the time. And I like that. You know, like yeah. I we, we can all do better right now. Dude, if I started over on Kadoja, I could do better. You know, yeah. uh that's that's not the point. The point is, it's the best thing I could do at the time. I like it as what it is, and I think it still stands, you know? And, you know, to me, I would much rather take that time and invest it in something brand new as opposed to investing it, reinvesting mm-hmm. it in something that I've already done. But again, that's... So I'm a bit of a kind of hard liner all the way away. Maybe you take... You know, maybe you agree, maybe you yeah. disagree, and maybe 10 minutes from now you say, no, 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 I disagree with Keith and I'm still going to do it my way, but that's where I stand on it. Right. Yeah, that's that's the difference, though, with um, with those examples. For one, it's music, it's different. Um, mm-hmm. And and it's like, okay, I would, uh, I would say it would be a bit of an issue if it was, if it was like, hey, here's all of our hits, but we recorded them. And it's like, wait, this isn't the hit, though. Like the hit was the one you made then. So, but that's not what I'm yes. doing. I'm not doing the greatest hits. So with that album that they released, it was just a re-release. They're like, hey, we wanted to give it a different shot. So the beauty of this is you ha- still have the original album. There, mm-hmm. you can If you preferred it, you can go listen to that. And it might be fun for, for you or for someone else to go, 
I kind of want to listen to them back to back. Like, I kind of want to hear what that sounds like and what this sounds like. And it might just be an interesting experiment. So, yeah. um, and, and this is something we've talked about in the past because uh, where you are a person who goes, this is the best I can do and look at my growth. I want, I want the hardcover to be a singular piece. So all the all the writing is going to be rewritten or re-lettered. Like I told Ed, I'm like, you could take another crack at everything. Because if you do want the original, you can always go back to the single issues. If you were there from day one, you have the original issues to go back to. No one's taken those away from you, they still exist. If you bought the first trade, all the art's the same, all the writing's the same, all the lettering's the same, still exists. No one's taken it away from you. But this is my vision of what I can do right now. And this is the best I can do right now. And so what that is, is better than the shit I did, you know, 10 years ago. So th that's the point of, of this particular hardcover. Yes, I get it. I get it. But can I, can I pop quiz you on something? Yes. Pop everybody. quiz, hot shot. E everybody, everybody. Get your drinks ready. No, it's not like George Lucas in the special edition. <laughs> How it's not is that. it not? How is it not? Uh, because that is film and these are comic books. Did you like a single change that Lucas made to the original three movies in the special editions? So that's another, that was the other thing I was going to bring up about those albums. Those albums made that band who they were. 500 people have second shift number one plus whatever's in the trade. Not 5,000, not 50,000, not 100,000. So that's the difference. I, I see what you're saying. You're you're judging the difference based on on popularity. And I, I look, I totally get where you're going. What you're saying is you think you have the opportunity to improve this. And, mm -hmm. and in fairness, if I knew movies better, I'm sure that I could give an example of the exact reverse, right? Where where somebody took something that that was kind of cobbled together and turned it into something that we all remember as an extant marvelous piece of art. You know what I mean? So, so right. I, I get it. And I only knew where you were going because Travis uh, from the Accidental Aliens, he made the same comparison. And I said, you motherfucker, I knew you were going to bring up those special editions and this ain't it. Like, <laughs> and that's why I started off this segment with bringing up Otomo and Neil Adams because they are fucking masters in our field. Not, yeah. not in music. Not in movies. That's not what we're doing here. We're making comic books. So if, if if I can make art better, so something you had said was, if the panel is fundamentally wrong, if you see something fundamentally wrong with it, change it. Yes, Keith, those are all the panels that I'm going to change. <laughs> so anytime I see something that I don't like, like that doesn't work, like it's getting changed, you know? And, and yeah. I want it to be one singular piece. And I'm not changing out any actors, you know? We're not putting Hayden Christensen... Uh, you know, as a, a force ghost uh, at the end of uh, Return of the Jedi. So we're not doing anything crazy like that. It's just a... Uh, but but here's, here's, where you at least, here's where you at least have to acknowledge my point. Lucas thought he was making it better, right? And, and that's what I'm talking about. I'm not... I mean, I understand that, like, music is not movies, is not comics. But the shared thread there is the person who is the mastermind behind it thought they were making it better by making their change. And again, it gets mm. back to my, and again, I get it, man. It's, it's fun. It's fun to have this conversation. Actually, I didn't expect to have this um, on this episode, but the point is 
the artist always thinks that they're improving it 100% of the time. And I'm not sure that's the case. Now, again, in your case, man, I mean, like we were just talking right. about, man, you're, you're God of this universe. You can do whatever you want. As, um, you know, listeners of the podcast will know, my favorite comic of all time is Infinite Kung Fu by Kagan McLeod. And he is a person that redrew absolutely everything for the book that you can find likely in your local comic shop, the top shelf um, AKA, you know, top shelf through image collected edition of infinite Kung Fu. Every single panel is redrawn from whatever he did before. So I like having both. And I think, mm -hmm. so, I mean, I, I don't think there's a lot of downside in general, but you know, look, Hey, we're here to, to throw our opinions out there. Oh yeah. And, oh no. You know, I knew this was going to be a fun topic. That's actually yeah, why I brought yeah. it up. Um, yeah, you know, some, something we've talked about on the air is thinking of conversations that we can have that are different than just our checklists from our weeks to week, our week to yeah. week. So I thought that was something that would be interesting to talk about. Yes. And of, of course, I value your opinion. And uh, but it's definitely something that I'm going to do, because like you just yeah, said, you, you like having both copies. You like having the redrawn shit and you like having the original it. Every fan of the second shift that has been with me from day one and they're into that stuff, hey, you guys got the original shit. But I feel like I'm leveling up more and more and more. And where I am in particular in my craft, I'm not I'm not bogged down by um, rules, as we've talked about the last last episode. Mm -hmm. And it's it's like I see stuff I see stuff from the previous issue or the first issue when I was going through it. And I, I talked about this where I was like, man, I was breaking the rules and I know I was breaking the rules and it's fucking badass. That's not mm -hmm. the stuff I'm touching. I'm touching the stuff that's like, oh, I'm following the rules, but it's not very good. Like yeah. that's, that's yeah. the stuff that I'm, I'm taking care of, you know? And it's just, um, yeah, there's, like I said, there's tons of stuff in there that completely hold up. I won't mess with. It's actually going to be an interesting task to try to draw in a similar style to the way I did back then. So that's going to be yeah. something fun to do. That's something, Lanil, you actually had to do with, uh, he did Wolverine versus Hulk or Hulk versus Wolverine, however it goes. He did the, I think he did the first two issues. And for whatever reason, he didn't finish three and four or he didn't fish issue four. So he had to draw, he had to look back at his old work and try to find a middle ground to draw like how he used to. So that's mm -hmm. going to be fun. It's going to be a fun task. And I think that's something I'm going to be doing in my spare time, like in between projects and uh, books, I'll, I'll, I'll look at panels and go, how do I want to change this? And yeah. so I'll do that, uh, you know, separately. So then I could kind of drop those in when I can. And then, um, show that to Joaquin and go, all right, man, have fun matching your old, uh, coloring yeah. style to to yeah, this you know yeah, yeah. so it, it's going to be an interesting project and it's something i'm i'm really excited about tackling and just that whole bridging the gap with new parts of the story like the mm -hmm. un untold part like maybe a little more character development like hey maybe more quiet scenes with the characters in their apartment you know chopping it up maybe that would be interesting i'm not mm -hmm. too sure it's something i'm gonna have to talk to ed about and uh maybe it doesn't work between every issue Maybe it work. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't work at all. You know, it's something we'll mm -hmm. talk about and uh, you know move forward from there. <laughs> One a very key difference between you being an artist and me being a writer is every change you make costs you nothing but your time. When when you're a writer, every single thing you want to do, you're going to have to pay an artist for. Oh yeah, huh. um, that's a uh, yeah. That's uh, it comes with the territory, and I hear you. Uh, the fact that I can 
I can go back and I, I can fuck with my panels because, you know, I'm, I don't have to pay anyone to do it. You know, I'll have to pay my colorist, but you know, mm-hmm. the art side of it is the most expensive part of making comics, you know, uh, yep. talking to you on a regular basis, talking to Travis, like just finding out how much you guys are sinking into each book. It's, it's, we're in two different worlds. You know what I mean? So, so I, I get it. I totally understand. And, and living in that world where it's just like, Hey, that's where I started. This is where I'm finishing. You know, you guys come along on the journey and you could see the evolution. Like yep. that is, that is a really good way to look at it. And it's just, it's just a different way. You know, it's just yeah. like, I, and I understand it. Like, look, like I can see it in my head. It's just like, it's like watching a, a graph just go up. You just see the build, the build, the build, you know, you're mm-hmm. getting better and better at the things you're doing. And it's super cool for me. I want it to be just this one solid fucking badass thing, you mm-hmm. know? So I'm, I'm going to improve the things that I can improve. And you know, when I, when I hand this off to a publisher, it's I'm putting my best foot forward, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to s- telling people like, Hey, so the first five pages, well, the first issue, essentially I hadn't drawn in 10 years. It's like, well, if I redraw it, I don't have to kind of prep people to go like, yeah. you know, the first five pages aren't, aren't the best because I was relearning everything. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like that, that whole step goes out the window and that's something that I look forward to not having to do every time I sell a trade or something like that. Yeah, I, I get it. But again, to, to bring it back to the main point, I think to your point about people being understanding about midstream changes and things like that, I think people are understanding about the original bits of work too. And, you know, maybe mm-hmm. I should have led with that. But in a lot of ways, that's kind of what I was saying. People have nostalgia for the first thing. People like the first thing and people are understanding of the first thing. You know, you can you can go through a lot of comic artists and see what issues. I mean, Eastman and Laird, Dave Sim, you know, all these guys, man, you know, the the TV show, The Simpsons, even though, you know, we're kind of doing a cross genre comparison, it's it, it looks different, but it changes and it evolves and people are kind of um, understanding of that. So I, I think it's a fair note both ways, too. Yeah, for sure. So so before we sign off, I'm going to be quick about this because that was such an enjoyable conversation. I didn't want to interrupt it for this. I just want to mention that this last weekend I went to Richmond again for a very brief trip. That fucking town was out to get me, man. It was it was harsh. It was oh, harsh. What so I, I I flew out on a Friday afternoon and came home by Sunday afternoon. So it was basically 48 hours airport to airport, home airport to home airport. And what I did was because of because of the Richmond airport and because of its uncooperative flight times, my kid was was um, competing once. And I stayed in DC because it was cheaper and drove oh. down to Richmond. What's that time difference there? What's how long is that? 3 hours ahead. It's 3 hours ahead. So the first day we got in at, you know, it was actually relatively fast. We got in at like 9, 10 o'clock, which wasn't terrible. The final day, we had a 6 a.m. flight out of D.C., which meant, you know, to do all the like take the rental car back and stuff. I had to wake up at 3.30 Washington time, which is midnight 30 here in L.A. It was bonkers to try to go through that day and, and you know, try to keep yourself from eating basically like four or five meals because you have that much more time in the day, you know, and you're waking up so much earlier. But dude, it was just like, like the hotel room was kind of janky 
and we were there so late that they didn't have any more. It looked like people threw each other into the walls of the hotel. You know how when people roughhouse and punch it out, there were like drops of glitter. The air, but like it was all a bunch of like minor things. The air temperature can never get below 75 degrees in the hotel room. Then the next day, so people who are in the D.C. area probably know this. I-95 south from Washington is one of the worst stretches of freeway in the universe. I thought California was bad, dude. It's so bad. I was supposed to take two hours and 20 minutes to get from my hotel to the venue where my kid was competing. Um, It ended up taking three hours and 55 minutes. And that's only because I, I got rerouted using like Waze, the app, and sat on back roads and made my way through. Had I stayed on I-95, I wouldn't have even gotten there until an hour after cutoff time was for her to register. That's how bonkers it was. And then it was just, it was that. It was like, there was always a problem. I could not believe how crappy (laughs) all, all of the externalities of that trip were, you know? And because of the timing, the only thing we ever really got to eat was either like, was basically like packaged sandwiches through airports or through like convention centers and stuff like that, dude. It was, it was just, yeah. Yeah. I mean, again, it's, it's definitely like first world problems, you know, but no, that sounds brutal, man. That all sounds fucked up. It was, it was as bad as something can get without actually being bad, bad. Like when you say like, man, that trip sucked, you know, like you never say that trip sucked because your arm got eaten off by an alligator. I mean, that, that kind of blows through the stratosphere of what we realize is, is bad. All this little stuff, man, it was just, it was bonkers. It was bonkers. Yeah. So. Just being convenienced at every point sounds yeah. like, an, sounds like my nightmare. Yeah. It's like, wow, yeah. can this, yeah. And like, and like you said, it's, it it's hyperbolic. Can this day get any worse? Well, of course it can. But yeah. in the context of what the fuck we're doing right now, this is pretty rough. Like, I don't yes. enjoy any of this. Exactly. And, and yeah, the fact that like, by my own planning, we were going to get to the venue an hour and a half in advance. She was going to be able to warm up. I was going to stop halfway and we were going to get some good protein in her so she was able to function. Nope, none of that happened, right? And all of a sudden, I have to sweat out even getting there on time so she can make the event and not get disqualified. And it's like, for crying out loud, man. So anyway, Virginia, I'm watching you. (laughs) You know, that's all I'm saying. So with all of that said, would it have been worth it just to stay closer to the venue? Or was the financial difference so high? Dude, the financial difference was like astronomical. Okay. The other issue is that this happened around her finals. You know what I mean? So, so yeah, we were, we were pinched for time and this was the best combination. So anyway, uh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? All right. Well, yeah, before we get, before we get out of here, I just want everyone to know that Keith's wearing a fucking badass Marvel superhero secret Wars t-shirt. What issue is that? That is issue 10. Yeah, man. I'm glad you noticed. Dude, it's the one where Dr. Doom is like, Dr. Getting, Doom he just got fucked up by the beyond. Yes. Yeah. My, yeah. it is, it is fabulous. I'm going to look that up when we get off the air here. It's super awesome. sick. I've been, I took a screen cap. I'll post it up when this episode drops. I'll, I'll drop this image in there so you can look at my Instagram or Facebook for uh, 24 hours before it gets off of there. So yeah. yeah, give that a look when you're listening to this. Yep, and for the for the comic nerds out there, it's Secret Wars ten, man. One of the one of the best covers going. So yeah, man. Thanks, thanks for thanks for the shout on that. Yeah, man, absolutely. All right, so uh, you can find me. Uh, oh, actually, uh, I wanted to start doing something. I want to do it like a little out of order. We always kind of do our our single stuff first. But before you guys check out, uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, 
uh, email us at makingcomicspodcast at gmail.com. So if there's anything we've talked about this episode that you want to comment on, you think we got something wrong, you want to put your two cents on, two cents in on me redrawing certain panels, please tell me I'm right, tell me I'm wrong. Uh, you know, tell Keith that Joel Embiid sucks or something. Go ahead and email us there. <laughs> Uh, you tell, can him, find... tell him that the remade Testament album is actually better than the originals. Whatever you want to do, <laughs> man, we're here. <laughs> That's right. And you can find me at Scott Lost, S-C-O-T-T-L-O-S-T, on Twitter and Instagram, or Facebook.com forward slash Scott Lost. Yeah, and you can find me at Keith underscore Decibel on Instagram and at Kadoja Kaiju on Instagram for Kadoja stuff. And I want to give a quick shout, speaking of like stat boy corrections and people reaching out, um, Brian Clark informed me that, remember how we were talking about John uh, the Storm King comic line with the John Carpenter stuff? That is John Carpenter's imprint, apparently. I think it's run maybe by oh. his wife, but it's yet another part of like John Carpenter doing his thing. And for all I know, I may have butchered that again. But I'm pretty sure that's how it goes down. So, yeah, it's like it's the name of his production company, I think. And then they did a comic branch as well. So so pretty cool stuff there. And that's why we love hearing back from people on whatever it is, even if it's a, a correction or a clarification. It's always good to know. Yeah, we love it. Yeah, We, we don't want to be wrong. So if we are wrong about something, let us know. And uh, everyone will get the knowledge. We will get the knowledge. Uh, the world will be a brighter place. And uh, you can or did you already do yours? Did you do your personal? Ones? I already talked about my Instagram. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. And then you can find my comics, The Second Shift, The Tale of Minimum Wage Workers uh, During the Day, Superheroes at Night, or Wanderers of Melisanda, Anthropomorphic Dinosaurs versus Humans at AccidentalAliens.com. There's a ton of books on there, all the anthologies, Tales from the Mothership. I have stories in there that I've done as well. So if you want to check those out, any other Accidental Alien titles, go to AccidentalAliens.com. Yeah, man. And for me, you can go to KeithRFoster.com. There is a page for Kadoja and there's a store for Kadoja. But even more to that, by the time this episode airs, if you haven't pre-ordered Kadoja Volume 3, the standard comic shop cover, um, I encourage you to do that. You are probably right up against the retailer cutoff deadline. Um, we have the codes. At least I put them in, in the show notes from last week. I'm going to put them there again. You can get any of Volumes 1, 2, and 3. They're always available through Diamond. But yeah, man, check that book out. Again, if you supported the Kickstarter, thank you. If you've already ordered it through your retailer, thank you. And if you haven't, well, you can still go ahead and grab it. And more importantly, grab the other volumes that you might need. So, yeah, man, shot that uh, Kadoja Volume 3, ready to pre-order, and the pre-orders are probably going to close pretty soon. So, oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, so, I've, I've, I've queued up the music by now. We're, we're, we're getting down to it. So, you know the deal, man. I will, I will catch you next week. All right, my man. We will talk a little bit off air, and it's not for you guys. So, get out of here. Just kidding. <laughs> Come back for next Later. episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
here and stop around.